Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You've failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he is made... The Mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our ongoing hike through the dense forest of the film career of Michael Cain, watching every single movie from the ones that make you feel like the hills are alive to the others where you genuinely cannot see the wood for the trees. My name is Michael Foley and I'm joined as always by Stephen Black of the Mallow News Twitter Emporium. We're off to Germany today, lad. Oh, yes, this is very exciting and not in any way painful. No, this is completely enjoyable. Uh, lovely yomp through the forests of central Germany. I've got to be honest with you, kid. I didn't realise that there was a, there was a, an appetite inside me for a film about the, the 30 Years' War. Uh, I wasn't even aware of the 30 Years' War. Uh, but now I'm so well informed and I, I'm just hungry for more. I really just want to, I want, I want to dive in more to what I can only imagine is the really long list of movies about this fascinating period of history. Uh, it's a long list that stretches to precisely one. There was one movie made before this latest Kane opus um, about the 30 years war. And I'll be brutally Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, Kramer versus Kramer. A story of a warring couple, one Catholic, one Protestant, one a Pope, uh, one a German prince. Uh, and they wanted to be together, but they couldn't be together. And they spent so long in the divorce courts and also sacking villages in central Germany. It's very it's tough, it's tough watch, tough watch. It is, yeah. And for anyone who's currently going, hang on, Kramer versus Kramer came out long after this movie, please. It's Facts with no place here. It, it, absolutely no place. <laughs> and, and, and absolutely no place in this conversation whatsoever. 30 Years War. There's only ever been one movie done in the 30 Years War. This, we are watching today, The Last Valley, uh, is a movie uh, based in the 30 Years War. Uh, for anybody, uh, I can't imagine there's many of you out there who don't know what the 30 Years War was about. Basically, it was a European conflict in the 1600s that started out as a scrap between the Pope and the Protestants. And degenerated into a bunch of faction fights where basically local princes and kings changed sides depending on when suited them and fought away. And of course, Stephen, who got screwed? The little guy. It's always the little guy gets screwed in these kind of things. People don't never consider the little guy. The Pope's busy there flailing his nunchucks around fucking uh, <laughs> Germany. 
lopping off heads with his samurai sword, as is my understanding of history. Yeah. Never, never once think that think that the poor peasant that he's just after beheading and kicking their head down a flight of stairs has a family to look after. I had a family, and this is why Kane is here. He's making the point. This is another anti-war Kane movie. You remember? Remember? He said it at the top. He would never make a movie that glamorized war. I'm not even going to mention the Battle of Britain. This is his whole point. This is, war is terrible. No one wins just war. in war. But but not just war. He's just he's 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 putting a little pinch of religion salt in this as well. Oh, yes. Ooh, religion sentiment. Just get that down here. That really improves the taste. Like I wouldn't wouldn't mind that as a as a viewpoint or. A, 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 but I mean, would it not be better to say I will never make a good movie that's pro war. A good movie that's pro-war. Well, he's okay on that front so far. He's okay. <laughs> he really is. like Because I think that's really what he meant. Yeah. Because everything that I've seen to date, um, I mean, again, it's uh, it, they're all awful. They're all categorically dreadful. Um, I think he would have been better off just, you know, strapping a bulldog to his back, getting into Spitfire and just fucking driving straight to Berlin and riddling Adolf Hitler or, uh, Hitler with bullets. And just standing over his corpse, having a cup of fucking Yorkshire tea as the, the chimps for the for the ad massage his feet. The final final shot is just him lobbing the gob on Queen Betty too. <laughs> and a grateful nation flocks to the box office for years and years. Just would have been so much better than just the kind of squirty, loose bowel movement of fucking anti-war movies that he's made, littered throughout his career. Today, yeah, I mean, there's more to come. Is. We're only in the 70s. We're only fucking 10 years down. We're 1971. We haven't gone far. I think we decided at some stage that the Battle of Britain would have been better if it was about Kane's dog. And what do we call it? Mutt Spitfire yeah. or something like that? Do we call it Mutt Spitfire uh, uh, in the Battle of Britain? Battle of Britain, Mutt, Mutt Spitfire's Revenge or something That's, like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been a better movie. Um, And this last valley. I don't know. Look, anyway, let's just let's just get into it. Um, It's a movie set in a time that nobody ever asked to know about. Omar Sharif is in it and a cast of characters are, that lurch somewhere between an anti-war movie and a Hammer horror flick. And there's Mick Kane doing a German accent. So this is The Last Valley. In a time when the world was choked with hate and consumed by war. When a man had nowhere to run, no place to hide. Suddenly, there was a valley. The last valley. And to this valley came two men. A man of violence. Break open every house. We'll round up the peasants and fire the village at leisure. Captain. And a man of peace. Why such waste? Winter here. Live while your army dies. Michael Kane is the captain. If to kill is necessary, I do it without conscience. So before we start, it's I think it's fair because I know where this conversation, I have a good idea where this is going to go. This movie is actually quite well regarded or it was quite well regarded. It's completely forgotten now. But in 1971, it was kind of seen as a nice, tidy movie that gave some sense of a kind of fractured nature of Middle Europe that, you know, laid the foundations for a still fractured Germany in 1971. And if the plot was awkward and meandering and kind of pointless, well, then it paid perfect tribute to the 30 years war itself. But like, that's not really the point here, is it? No, it's not the point. There is no point. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, my understanding is right. James, James Clavell is the is the director here, who, who according to a, 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 an interview McCain gave, was captured uh, as a soldier was captured uh, by the Japanese at the age of fourteen. Okay. Which okay. I mean says a lot about the recruitment standards maybe in Australia. Uh, so it comes from a background of being a, a former prisoner of war. So you'd imagine uh, wrote a wrote a, a popular book, King Rat, that was then made into a movie directed by Brian Forbes, who we've unfortunately um, met along our fucking journey to date. Mm-hmm. Um, the wrong box. The wrong box. Fucking Deadfall. Deadfall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great friend of McCain's. Great friend. Of Great friend of McCain's. Yeah, so like a, as Matt McConaughey would say, you know, time is a flat circle here, lads. Um, <laughs> but yeah, James, coming from what you can only imagine as an anti-war, uh, uh, maybe an anti-establishment uh, um, position, is maybe taking this and wanting to, you know, use. I mean, it's adapted from a book, so he's, you know, a lot of the groundwork is done from there. But wanting to use the background of the Thirty Years' War to make a point about the futility of war and the dangers of fanaticism and zealotry. Um, and that's all well and good. But if you want to make those points, you'd want to be making them clearly and well, yeah. which he does not. <laughs> so, I mean, this veers yeah. w- wildly from uh, like scenes of violence to scenes of uh, attempted rape to scenes of dancing. Uh, Satanism thrown in there for a, yeah. there's a, there's a little bit of wicker mouth. Like, I would, I, for, if this was about. God, what would you say? If this was like about a bunch of lads who come across this this untouched valley, uh, this this oasis during during a period of strife, you would think right, there's, the ground is fucking ripe here for a uh, a kind of a wicker man style uh, story. But why is this the la- the mysterious lady of the shrine? You know, like a hiding, mm. you know, like a pagan cult that is, you know, ultimately ends up fucking I don't know nailing McCain to a cross while he shouts, "Mine legs, mine legs!" <laughs> um, he's herded into a fucking giant beehive or something. I yeah. don't know. But at the but at the more like are you going to go through the plot because Jesus Christ? Well, I I, I am I am because I think yeah. at this point I'm sure people who haven't seen the Last Valley, uh, not that there's many, uh, are dying to know what this film is about. But I I I'll tell you what I'm going to keep it as quick and as short as I can. Okay, okay. I try, I try to do that all the time anyway. But I am especially going to try and keep it short this time, right? So it starts with Omar Sharif, right, who plays a teacher called Vogel. He's And the first opening scenes are him scrambling away from the massacre of a village. And he's falling into pits of dead people killed by the plague. And there's people hanging from gallows. And it's all very grey and foggy and awful. And the next thing, he falls into this big bright green valley with sunshine and haycocks. And, you know, that classic little German... Sorry, hey what? Haycocks. What the fuck is a haycock? Haycock is a type of bale. <laughs> You know, the little standing that, little things. Yeah. So that's is that something that uh St. Bridges Cross gets when it's aroused? No, it's not town boy. It's a haycock. Anyway, <laughs> so it's a classic. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot he was talking to us, so did the soil. Exactly. No, German village in the Glen Landon is beautiful. Uh it's beautiful for about two minutes before a band of mercenaries arrive in, they're led by the captain, who's played by Kane. They don't have any particular side in the war. They go wherever the payday is. And their plan here is to ravage the village, as they always do. But Sharif convinces them to winter there with the immortal line, live while the army dies. So having knocked off a couple of henchmen to establish a voting majority, Kane agrees and he brings the townspeople to heel. They are led by Gruber, who's played by Nigel Davenport, who's Kane's sidekick. People might remember who watched Play Dirty. So now you have Sharif as the middleman between the villagers and the soldiers. So the mercenaries, they generally behave. Once they're given food, shelter, and women basically to rape, uh, then one mercenary attempts to uh, 
well, uh, what would you call it? I suppose an unauthorized rape uh, of a local girl. And abs- <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> did you hear yourself say the words unauthor- unauthorized rape? I did. Yeah, okay, unsanctioned, unsanctioned, unsanctioned. Let me go back. And then one mercenary, uh, I suppose, what would you call it? An unsanctioned rape, uh, attempts an unsanctioned rape on a local girl and absconds with a group before returning with a bigger band of outlaws uh, to the village. Uh, there's some A-team style prep for the attack, but the invaders get annihilated and the snow comes in and the village is cut off for the winter. Now, at this point, to my eyes, anyway, it all got a bit Monty Burns and Homer buried in the log cabin during the avalanche. You know, it's not quite, we're not quite dressing the snowmen, but we're getting there. Like, uh, the mercenaries clearly will have to leave when spring comes. So Kane brings his men away to a battle somewhere, uh, orders Sharif to stay behind. That's the condition of not sacking the village. That makes no sense to me. I don't know what's going on there. But he eventually, he basically says, I'm not going to sack the village if Omar Sharif stays here. I don't know what that's all about. After that, the captain's woman in the village, Kane's woman in the village is caught indulging as we mentioned there before a little bit of witchcraft she gets burned at the stake by the local maniac priest who gets pulled into the flames by one of the captain's men who stayed behind and is pretty well sick of all the madness and at this point everyone's been in the valley a bit too long including myself um, the captain returns having lost nearly all his men in this battle walks straight into an ambush of locals Sharif intervenes to stop him getting killed but Cain dies anyway but not before telling Sharif that, that he was absolutely right about staying in the village and at that point, Sharif heads off alone into the foggy forest, happy that the village is saved. And that's it. That's pretty much it, isn't it? It is. And I mean, if if, if you're listening to this, if you haven't seen it and you're wondering, God, that all sounds a bit pointless, then congratulations. You've just right. uh, saved yourself two hours, two hours of your life. Yeah. Let's start with the beginning. The beginning, the beginning, the beginning, where, God love us, you have over Sharif. Galloping I'm sorry, actually, through- can I stop yeah. you there? When you say the beginning, you can, can, I, can I stop you? Can I, can I stop you? <laughs> when when you say the beginning, can you actually rewind to just before the beginning? The opening credits had me in bits. Did did, I, did, what did you, the opening credits was kind of a, a, a tales of the unexpected kind yeah, of animation? That's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah, the the, the credits. That, I mean, thank Christ. Like whatever people say about modern, uh, some modern blockbusters not being as good as uh, those in the in the olden days. But Jesus Christ, at least we got away from being forced to sit through the entire credits before you actually got to see any of the movie. Yeah, I don't want to see the fucking key grips name before I I, I get no. to you know the actual meeting. But it's too much of the fucking. But movie. it's but it's more than that. I don't know how long I don't know how long the opening credits were. But basically, it's like there's a, an ornate crucifix that melts into two knights fighting. Right, John Barry music. But it's basically like Russian kind of symphonic music. Oh, there's kind of a bond, s- crossed with strings. Movie, crossed these string with stabs. Of the, oh, yeah. God, it, it's awesome. It, and I'm laughing. I'm, I'm actually laughing at the end of it. God. And it's Tales of the Unexpected. It's 70s yeah. Tales of the Unexpected. And I, I, I actually said out loud while watching what is Kane doing here? What's he doing here in yeah. central Germany in the 1600s? And the movie hasn't even started. Yeah, but you, I would say to you, was it? We're obviously, we're old, but we're not that fucking old to have been uh, around in 1971. But maybe there was a craze that was, maybe it was the Yahoo series in 1971. Maybe the 30 Years War was the Yahoo series of 1971. <laughs> you know, this fucking, the Furby, the fucking, the, the must-have toy for Christmas was a plague pit for kitties. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's, maybe that's, what, and they were just throwing money at fucking, oh, you know, just here's a bag of cash, go away, make a movie about 30 years. All I can see are dollar bill size of fruit by eyes. This would surely be a box office smash. Get your Nigel yeah. Davenport Puritan hair hat. Perfect oh, for all weathers. Made from made from the finest asbestos. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, you, you you go from that, which sets the scene pretty much. You're kind of going, oh no, within the, like, it's like it's twenty seconds. You're going, oh no, not again. Tra- fucking post traumatic cane disorder. Yeah. You're fucking gone. You're just gonna get the, the, the eye starts to twitch. Fucking flashbacks to the mages, the fucking yeah. deadfall. You go in, and it opens with Omar Sharif, for all the world, like a character from Monty Python's uh, The Holy Grail. Running very strangely through the all he's missing is a pair of coconuts just to make a heart the horse horsey noises, yeah. uh, stumbling, stumbling across like that scene you mentioned there in, in, your, in your synopsis of uh, he tumbles down a hill and he lands in, in a pile of bodies and they have the plague, and then he turns around and he sees uh, a gibbet of children, and then he sees a bunch of burning corpses. It's like the fucking Obama Plaza of, of torture. It's like a one-stop shop for all your fucking needs. It's like just well, let's just throw yeah. as much, much kind of pretty barking basement horror into one area, so we just get you know get get the viewers on board with how terrible and tedious or what tedious how fucking tedi- the tedium comes via the movie, but how yeah. terrible and, and, and horrible this time is. Yeah, and it was just oh god no, and the oh, I mean it's set to see the, the the villagers that he meets and the the initial sacking of the village by by Kane's troops is just so overwrought and so melodramatic and you know every, it takes everybody about fifteen seconds to die when they're stabbed and there's yes. mourning on the ground and mourning and there's a feral child for some reason who's doing a bit of an old stab in there as well again because war, war makes monsters of us all uh, regardless of age of course yeah exactly exactly and then we go to the village which is entirely empty we assume that the you know i kind of assume that the the lads uh, the lads are all in hiding i could oh, that's the only reason i could think when the village was empty because what village is entirely i mean are they bringing the babies out to work the fields i don't know I, it's, it's all it's 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 set up i mean you mentioned actually you mentioned it there earlier and maybe mm-hmm. like this should have been a wicker man type movie really the village should have been the mystery and all of this like you yes know? yeah this, I mean, it's set up. I mean, you walk as you said, like, you walk into an empty village in the 1600s. Oh, I can't imagine it. They're not going off driving off. They're not going on for the weekend. Like all these people, there's not a match on that everybody's gone to. Where no, it's not like place, it's, it's not like some place in West Cork that's empty until the fucking dubs come down for the fucking weekend to the second halls. You know. No, you haven't. Like it's it's from the from the straight off. It's like okay, uh, let's see where this is going, but it doesn't feel great. You know? And then you yeah, and then you have your next oh Christ no moment when Kane opens his mouth. <laughs> and rea- and you and you realize, oh no, he's German. <laughs> he's German Kane. Uh as you say, putting on the same the Eric uh von Watchmacallit's uh, yeah, na- uh the, it's... one moment alive, one moment dead. <laughs> you philosophers are such hypocrites. I only do what is necessary. No more. If to kill is necessary, I do it. Without conscience. Now, make peace with whatever god you worship. I, he, we, we are introduced in the last valley about 17 years earlier, 16 years early, to Dr. Emile Schofhausen from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's who we meet in the last valley. Yeah, it's it's uh, it is a slightly camp German accent that ever so often veers into Cockney. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. Oh, it's it's fairly bad. He can't say you know you you your key phrases from Harry Sunday. He still has. I don't know. Did you have one that says close the door or shut the door or something like that? He has problems with saying that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he opens. 
and he's the way he's dressed. Did you notice the costume? I can't imagine anyone getting away. He looks on pro. He can't walk in it. Yes, there's, there's a lot of metal. Is he wearing a lot of metal, isn't he? And, and you know those fucking sumo suits that they rent out for corporate uh, events. You know, team building yeah. exercise. And they're yeah, he look. He walks like he's wearing one of those. You see him a profile. He looks like he's six months pregnant, and that baby is fucking bearing down in him. Like, <laughs> so fair play yeah. to him. He clearly, clearly, the two bottles of vodka that he was putting away every day, um, uh, kind of you know, blanked out. That uh, that's Apparently. why he vanished. Well, well, let's yeah. not get too ahead of ourselves now. I'm not sure he's at that stage. There's his, oh, he remember? is. He is. Oh, is he? Is he? Is. He? he is. Yeah, yeah. He, because he there is in the old biography. Because there is a story about a horse, isn't there? And vodka plays a a role in bringing him back to earth uh, after an incident with a horse. People, yeah. might, people, veterans of Kane may remember that he had some issues in Zulu riding a horse. In fact, his very first scene in Zulu was on a horse, but it's not Kane because he can't ride a horse. Uh, similar because problems. he fell off the horse. He fell off yeah. the horse and ho- hurt his hole essentially. Uh, and similarly on this, uh, he was promised a, a docile mayor um, because as every as every actor knows, you should only have a docile mayor to ride uh, when you're engaging in in in, in riding scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, was told that, got there in the scene, the horse was huge, got on the horse, the horse, uh, because his scabbard was beating against the side of the horse. This all sounds like really bad, uh, really bad fan fiction. Docile uh, mayors and scabbards beating against the while side of the scabbard, horse. Oh, while his scabbard uh, uh, beat gently at the, the docile mayor's rump. Flank. Uh, it, it, flank of their, uh, it went into gallop, took him off for ages. Kane was fucking furious, came back, went into a huge tantrum. The director took him to one side and just said, basically, you know, you made you made a disgrace yourself there, really. You know, you really need to, you know, when you lose your temper, you let yourself down. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think Clavel was kind of channeling the 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 kind of Japanese sensibilities that he picked up as a as a result of being in a Japanese prisoner of war camp because of the way he said it was all about honor and maintaining your honor and all about that. And Kane, as always in every story, after that, I never lost my temper again. I like the way you you you've now aligned uh, honor and fair play to uh, Japanese prisoner of war camps. I think there may be people might have an issue with that. No, I mean, see, Clavel himself said he, uh, the prisoner of war camp was his, was his school, was his university, uh, oh. where he learned all the, he learned counterfeiting, uh, learned different languages, uh, learned about the Japanese, uh, the, the Japanese code of honor. Um, all of this, of course, by the way, beating the, you know, beating the odds of actually fucking surviving it because it was a one in four chance of, of you actually surviving uh, the, the prisoner of war camp. I think it was in Singapore at the time. Wow. Okay. But yeah, moving on from prisoner of war, from, uh, from awful uh, prisoner of war camp stories back to the awful movie that we were, that we were forced to watch, which I think is on a par with having to participate or being a participant in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. I, think I wouldn't like to would compare agree. the two. I, I wouldn't like to compare I, the two. I'll be honest. I, would, I think, I think that's fair because I, I think you, first of all, you'd have to find a prisoner of war veteran and then make them watch the last one. I think they've probably gone through enough. I think they certainly have gone through enough. What else have we got here? We can, so are we on to Kane's performance here? Really? We're getting into the accent now. I think yeah, just kind of, kind of maybe flip, uh, kind of run our fingers through the the rest of the plot like uh, uh, fucking Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking you're about here, right? Do you ever notice it's a thing around the seven the seventies in like period films and in cowboys? There's always one member of cast who fucking refuses to get his hair cut uh, to inappropriate. There's always one lad who goes for the Brian Jones beggar's banquet bowl cut. Always, it, it always takes takes me out of it. There's your man Hanson, yeah. the uh, the un, the un, uh, the 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 guy who tries to perform the unsanctioned rape, yeah. in, 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 in this movie is rocking one of those, and it's, he always goes. It completely takes me out. It's the same in uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, 
Westerns. It is Westerns. <laughs> it is it is Westerns. And yeah. there's always one or two lads in it who are just going, no, it just takes you completely out of it. You're going, no, that, that, that hairstyle is no business. You have, clearly, you have clearly been in somewhere like, I don't know, whatever, the whiskey a go-go till five o'clock in the morning and you've gone straight to set. Yeah, Cut your hair. Clearly, Cut your hair. Clearly don't coke with Gene Clark from fucking uh, <laughs> from the birds, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it, it does throw you, and like there's 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 a lot of bad haircuts, it's a lot of bad acting, a lot of overacting. Actually, let me ask what like there is a lot of overacting now in this. Like, what are your favorite? I've I've a few favorite overacting bits in this. What are your favorite bits? My favorite one is uh, where Omar Sharif does his uh, "I Have a Dream" speech up by the Lady of the Shrine. Yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. That's that's like you know, this is just. You can really smell the ham just emanating off the screen. It's like a fucking, it's like Christmas Day. Just to explain it, basically, the mercenaries want to move a religious shrine, and, and Sharif gives this huge speech to the entire village that, and I could actually see the edges of my television screen starting to chew a bit, starting to come away. It was like one line. He, I, it doesn't matter what he really said, but basically, he was saying it came to him in a dream that it was a good idea to move the shrine. You wouldn't defy a dream, would you? I like, oh my god, where? What am I doing? Why am I watching this film? Why is the director going? Not going. Cut, Omar. Uh, any chance he could have died it back by about twenty? Um, because this is awful. A man who, a man who can dial it back, and you can see in this movie at times, is clearly able to dial it back, but is guilty of some of the worst overacting. When he's given encouragement, I get the impression anyway. He's given encouragement to let it all out there. It <laughs> It's just careers off the road uh, into a huge ball of flames. 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 Ball of flames. Ball of flames. Ball of flames. Ball of flames. Break open every house. We round up the peasants. We fire the village at leisure. What are your own high points for the ham? Well, that that speech was probably my favorite, but there is there is a piece at the very start when Cain is trying to establish a vote majority to stay in the village, and one of his mercenaries kind of gives this "get behind me, Satan" sort of speech uh, because there's a church in the uh, in the village, and he goes blah, blah, whatever. He just goes nuts. Uh, what else? Oh, there's a guy who's impaled on a wooden spike at one stage, and I mean. I mean, it's not a nice way to go, but I mean, he screamed. He actually, some of the death cries in this make Zulu look very subtle, you know? Oh, and of course, our friend, the Cossack, there's a Cossack in the middle of it all who looks like he's a member of the Dubliners licking blood off a knife. Yeah, he looks like he's just finished it off a, a full Irish and he's licking blood off a knife like it was fucking ketchup. Yeah. Or a bit of bean, ju- or a good bit of bean juice. There's also a speech towards the end that, again, when you... Go reading and looking and looking at things um, by reviewers and people who are really into Michael Caine's career. This is a very well-regarded speech that he gives about the futility of war. It's really just it's like he's dispensing Pez pellets, you know, of of anti-war wisdom. You know, it's like there is no just war. Your war is filth and greed and hypocrisy. Religious fanatics inciting murder. There is no God. 
And it's just, oh God, somebody stop him. Somebody step in there, please. But it also comes out of nowhere. At no stage do you feel that his character is bottling all of this up. It's just, it comes completely out of fucking left field and you kind of go, well, Jesus, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, we certainly didn't express it during any other stage of the film, but had we known about it, then maybe we could have addressed your issues. Maybe we can all, maybe we can all have a flag and a mead and sit down yep. and talk it out. We'll get some of the winches to bring some of the, some food in from the fields. And look, we, we, not, we, we can sort it out, like. And if it's a, work, and if it's a, if it's a workload issue, look, we could talk to the rest of the lads and we just distribute work. And mate, you take some mind for this time now. You sit and you think about yourself and how we can maybe work together more to, 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 to help you help you. We can, we can spread the load. Gruber here, Nigel Davenport, I know, look, you've had your differences. He can take some of the load off you, look. At, I understand you don't have a line manager you can go to talk to. You're shouldering a lot here now. But look, there is no need to be going on about no God and war is this and war is that and what Satan this and all the rest of it. You're mm. after making Charles Father Charles Manson cry. Look at him over there in the corner. He's going to go off and create a different cult now in a different village because of you. And he's been here a long time. He's put roots down. You know. And when we're getting another parcel of severed heads in the post to, to be you opening it. Well, you can be sure of that. By the way, did you notice as well, for a blonde man, Kane looks very ginger in this film. Sorry, can I correct you? For a ginger man, Kane looks appropriately ginger in this film. He's a blind man. He does not have. This is you see. This is you'll eventually come around to this, and you know you know I'm right. It's 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 a your your ginger denial is is something to you'll be cancelled. Yeah, fine. Ginger denial. You know. I don't care. I'm happily cancelled. He's blind. Kane's good in this, but it's good in the way in the way that the rest of the cast is so horrendously erratic. Like he's boxing. A million miles below his weight here, in my opinion. Anyway, he's we, he's way. It's what's he doing here at all? He gets a special pointing gauntlet, which I thought was a new one. You see oh, that yeah, he did actually, little, yeah. little metal pointing gauntlet, which I wonder whether that was part of his contract. There was some, and there was some Charlie Croker style Italian job. Oh, oh well, that's no, that's no. He's discovered that, and now like anyone who's discovered something that they're good at, you just fucking run it into the ground, you know, for until the end of time. Like, Until he gets into his, his current period, which is my arm is now too tired. All I can do is just cut, <laughs> cut food and shovel it into my mouth while I get through the five or six lines of dialogue that I have. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. Like, it could be said, like, I mean, he could say about The Last Valley that it's a movie that I am in with Omar Sharif, right? But really, it really, it's a movie that he's in with a lad that he knew from the Italian job, right? He's mate Nigel from Play Dirty, the weird doctor from Deadfall, a young and quite buff Brian Blessed, and an old oh, lad. Fit, fit Brian Blessed. I mean, Jesus, uh, uh, like, any, if there are any ladies listening to this, and uh, God knows there aren't, uh, Google image uh, Brian Blessed, The Last Valley, and uh, you'll be, you'll think differently about uh, uh, the leader of the Hawkmen anyway, I tell you that much. He looks like something out of Mad Max. And yeah. you, so you've got a buff Brian, Brian Blessed, and you've got one other lad who will be a Hawkman alongside Blessed in Flash Garden in another 10 years or so. Like, it's, that's what I mean. Boxing way below his weight. Yeah, again, I think he perceives it was. A, I, I don't know why he did this. I don't think he knows why he did it. And he's not about if he doesn't really mention worth that he, he he thought they did good work. Um, but he knew by the time he flew uh, by the time he flew home for some reason he knew he knew that it wasn't going to work. He, it's another. It. It's another example of a movie with big ideas that Kane takes on. That's obviously been sold very nicely to him. It's got anti-war sentiment. It's got big notions about itself you mentioned them all at the top there and it just completely just doesn't work because the script is bad 
the people who are working on it aren't very very good and he lifts he lifts everything um because he's just effortlessly better than everybody else in the film but to be honest with you like we were giving him a pass a little bit on this stuff for other movies in the 60s i'm less inclined to give him a pass now he's been like at this point in his life he's what is he about 38 i mean it's time yeah. it's time now to start making some choices here uh and we know how that's going to work out <laughs> Yeah, you're you you are coming across a bit like a, a parent who's now who's now you know with some latitude on the old uh, PlayStation uh, Xbox online usage, but now is adamant <laughs> that they're going to be changing the Wi-Fi password so they can't go on with their, their friends online and bully old people. I'm much too. But you but you know full but you know full well as soon as the fucking midterm break comes along and you have to end up actually spending time with them or doing something constructive, you'll be handing over that new Wi-Fi code within fucking seconds. Yeah. Go out and make more movies. Yeah, I I I. It's, I'm just too invested in this now. I, I'm sitting down going, I'm watching these below par Kane movies going, what are you doing to yourself? Like, you are so much better than this. But look, this is this is what we signed up for, I suppose. We knew this was coming. And to be fair, like, we've done 17 movies so far. The Last Valley is the 17 movies that we've really looked in, at in depth. And you could say that he's had four classics out of 17, I think. That's, that's a very good strike rate, I suppose. Like, you know, for... For that, but it's just a gap between the good ones to the bad ones. Is just that's so it. That's the. I mean, like you wouldn't mind if you made four classics and like ten okay movies, and then seven absolute fucking turkeys. But it's not. It's like the there's a realist Mariana's trench fucking drop in quality. <laughs> it is. Anyway, anything else that I, I've I've kind of oh, I, very, pulled very, this, very, I, I pulled this off there into uh, into into Kane words. Is there anything else you want to touch on about the Last Valley? Yeah, just one story where Kane goes on about the fact that his hotel room was was a mess the entire time because the because uh, Omar Sharif's uh, room was two doors up for him and the chamber bays never made it past uh, past his room. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, and that's his. I, I'm putting air quotes because that's what he does himself in the book. Is if you don't know, <laughs> couldn't just say because Omar Sharif was riding the hole off everything that came past him. No, it was a case of you know, oh, for you 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 fill in the gaps there, dear reader. Yeah, Omar Sharif looks fairly wrecked in some of these scenes, so that might that yeah. might there might be a connection between the two things. It, the movie reinforces just to me at this point in his career. I, I'm I'm having a whole problem placing Michael Caine in the firmament of of movie stars in 1971 to one because of these movies. You you've got a better handle on it than I do, but right now to me he's like a he's a big UK film star. He's a, by a mile the biggest star in, in the UK. This movie. It cost about six million dollars. It made nothing. Whatever it made, it did quite well in the UK. It did nothing at all in America. Um, so, and it strikes me that his best movies so far are his most popular movies, at least like Ipcris File, Italian Job, Zulu Alfie. In terms of performance, anyway, Alfie, they're all very British. Like his Hollywood movies are Gambit, meh, good, but meh. Uh, Hurry Sundown, appalling, and. It would dead like no Deadfall wouldn't really be a Hollywood movie as such. So like he's sort of he's huge in in Europe, clearly huge in Europe with a footprint in America, but he's I don't know he's not a Hollywood superstar like like we know him to be. Do you know what I mean? What do we? I think that's the whole point. Was he? I mean, was he a Hollywood superstar, or was he just somebody who was uh, who basically piggybacked on his uh, his UK fame with uh, with his early success and managed basically to translate the, translate that success and that visibility into a long term career as a as a so called character actor because he's not a character actor he's a he's a movie star. I he don't care what he, he, he claims to be a character. character. 
but I mean, Jesus Christ, anyone who says it takes 50% of your brain to put, to do an accent is not a character actor. You know, <laughs> just because you were in rep for years does not make you a character actor. It, it doesn't like, and he's not. Um, no, I may take, I'm, there may be so I may have to cro- maybe have to fucking walk that back for for later movies, but I, I don't anticipate it. I think always on the screen you were seeing Michael Caine. He never disappears fully into a role. It's always it all it is all, you're seeing the essence of, essence of Caine. Yeah, sprayed sprayed in the, on the screen. Uh, so you know I think that's what it is. I you know uh, we'll see how we feel by the end of the seventies, but I think that's yeah. definitely. I think we I think we've seen the you know, box office smashes gone. You know the the top ten. You know that US that US fame that he would have gotten. I guess off the back of like the Ipcris file and and Zulu to a certain smaller extent. Well, yeah. weaker You know that that profile is gone, and it's just it's these smaller roles or these character these smaller movies that kind of you know he parlays into the, the the his career for the for up until now essentially. I think as well as that, I suppose in the in this era that we're at now, nineteen seventy one, it's just before he moves to America. Like he's still living in in the UK, um, so that possibly he's just, he's just he's just bought a house. He's just bought a house. He uh, uh-huh. in Stratham, I think. Oh no, okay. he buys him. You know, he's just after buying a house for his mother in Stratham, uh, and giving that to her. And then he's after buying a house in the countryside, so with a couple of acres of land that he's using. At this stage, he says he's drinking two bottles of vodka a day, uh, which I, I I don't know how you do that. I mean, I that's know. I don't phys- I don't know how you like. You want to be starting as soon as you get up, you know. I mean that that is that is unbelievable. That is yeah. unbelievable. I don't I I, I I I just even the thought of it. But the you know this is this these these are things that are going to become more prevalent as we go through the seventies. Maybe it's yeah. when he goes to. He starts making more Hollywood movies, obviously, when he moves to America. As you say, right now, it's these sort of character movies with a kind of a more of a British. I mean, as I said, this even The Last Valley did well in Britain, didn't do so well in, in, in the US. And also, he he's, he's getting that strike rate that he talks about as well. He's getting his hits in just at the right time to generate, like, say, uh, you know, uh, Ipcris happens, he gets Gambit. You know, Alfie happens, he gets a couple of invites to a couple of more movies that are, you know, in theory, a little bit more uh, lucrative for him and stuff, but um, he's timing it right. His next movie is quintessential British again, but it's going to open up another door for him. Like it's, we're we're out of the Last Valley and we're into Get Carter next. Yeah, looking forward to that. I have not seen Get Carter. Really, I've really? seen. I've seen what I, I can. I've seen what I can only imagine be the the, the is the far superior remake by uh, starring. Um, Sylvester Stallone and also Michael Caine, so we could look forward to that as well uh, when we when we hit the the nineties. Wow, there might even be an argument to bunch the two of them together for the next episode. That's something to that's something to consider. No, that I, 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 I've I've seen that, and I'd rather just you know have a fresh palate after Get Carter because it's <laughs> okay. supposed to be great, you know. Okay, I I've seen I've seen Get Carter, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. It's another it's another one of his signature performances. It's just a higher standard of staring, pointing brooding aggression higher standard of everything really um so yeah i think we'd probably leave it there marks for kane of course we're not marking the film as such we're marking we're marking the performance here and as i'm, I'm going to be a bit more rough on him now than i might have been before this. yeah what are you weighing it now it's like we're waiting as we get a decade and we're wait, we're waiting these slightly now as we are weighted down ourselves by the by the the trauma that we're carrying uh from his movies in the 60s so Whereas maybe I would have been given this a, a six out of ten. I'm going five. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm five as well. I mean, we gave him in Play Dirty, for example, we gave him six. 
looking back now, if if that was made now, I'd probably give him a five uh, billion dollar brain. We gave him six as Harry Palmer. I think he was better in billion dollar brain than he is in this. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I know that, and I know, I know that the like, last value is a forgotten film, but I do know that people who have seen this rate his performance quite high in this. But I, it just didn't do it for us. Five, I think no. is five is where it's at. Um, next up is Get Carter. Thank you, oh blessed shrine of the valley. Yes, bless the lady of uh, blessed lady of the shrine. Is yeah. it the lady of the shrine or blessed lady of the valley? Bless I don't care. Because Lady of the Shrine is kind of fucking very unimaginative. You're a lady and you're in a shrine. Uh, to be fair, this Lady of the Valley would be more specific. To be fair, area. and to be fair, imagination and invention is at the core of the Last Valley. Quite apart, oh. the only thing that's the only thing that's imaginative are, and I mean, talk about uh, applying your imagination in the wrong direction. The only thing imaginative in this is actually setting it in the 1600s in an obscure European war that. Everybody has forgotten about. Yeah, well, hopefully we've done our bit now to bring it back into the the spotlight and, and maybe <laughs> yeah. once again start the start the the the, the trend of thirty year war movies. Yes, let's let's hope that we'll see. I don't know who 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 would be good in it. Well, Kane's modern equivalent, Matthew McConaughey, uh, sitting astride a huge horse, um, swaddled in metal, pointing towards a valley. And I tell you this much, uh, if you asked any cinema gore if they wanted to see Matthew McConaughey ride a docile mare uh, and stroking it with his scabbard, I think they would say yes. That's a very different kind of movie to The Last Valley. Right, so get Carter. Let everybody go and see it. It's easy to find online and everywhere else. Uh, and we will reconvene back here uh, and uh, hopefully be in much better form for this one than we were for the, for, uh, for the Last Valley. Absolutely. And don't forget, as usual, if you have any questions for us about Get Carter, hit us up on Twitter at Mark of Kane 2. Fuck you, Mark of Kane 1. So that's sorry, that's two separate accounts I should point out. It is at Mark of Kane 2. Pause. Fuck you, Mark of Kane 1. Just to be clear that we, we were not associated with them in any way, but they got there before us. What a broadcaster. What a broadcaster. I'm like, I'm like Pat Kenny. Get out of my garden. You're not building that home here. Grr. Young people. <laughs> Until then, we'll see you next week. See ya. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. And maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2 and if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Mark of Kane is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. <laughs>